Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. The Lord be with you. You know, sometimes the simplest of hymns and words mean the most when you hear them or sing them. You need not multiply your words. You didn't have to be the longest prayer known to man. Nor pray with practiced art. There's no one way to pray. Beyond all speech, God understands the hunger of your heart. Wait then in quiet confidence. Don't be in such a rush. Don't be worried that because I haven't said anything for the first 10 seconds that I'm not in deep, confident prayer. Your anxious thoughts be at rest. God knows your needs before you ask and works for what is best. Be still, my soul, before the Lord. On God in patience, wait. God's love unseen surrounds your life. God's help will not be late. On the contrary, there's an old, there's a story I'm going to remind you about today. Way back in the turn of the 20th century, pastors in small towns and communities would take and it would have several different parishes that they operated. So they would, not, they would not only go to one church, they would go to several churches. And they usually did that in their circuits on horseback. So they were known as circuit riders. And there's one case, this circuit rider was galloping down the road to get to the next church service on time. When all of a sudden his horse stumbled, threw him right off and into a ditch where he lay in the dirt and mud with a broken leg. But he had, the, he had the right mind, as a pastor would, to call out in prayer, All you saints in heaven, help me get up on this horse. And with this super, supernatural strength, all of a sudden he got up and he got on the horse's back and quickly fell off the other side of the horse. But undeterred, he knew he had to be in prayer. So he goes, all you, how about half you saints in heaven? Help me get up on this horse. You and I, as we hear a, the shortest, one of the shortest verses in the Bible, you and I do the very same thing that this pastor did. No, not try to get up on a horse and fall off of it on your way to coming to church, okay? If you're using horses, you're probably in the wrong place anyway. But to keep on praying. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, Paul writes, pray without ceasing. The only thing shorter in there is when the verse that says Jesus slept or wept. Pray without ceasing is a pretty tall order, though, isn't it? How do you go about doing that? How do you pray nonstop, 24-7? You do sleep, right? Of course, we cannot verbally pray at all times. But it is possible to be in the spirit of prayer and to always be ready to pray on a moment's notice. Or it should be in your life of prayer.
Luther writes in the large catechism, the Lord's Prayer has also been prescribed so that we should see and consider the distress that ought to drive and compel us to pray without ceasing. And in the last book of the Lutheran Confessions, the Formula of Concord, which was written in 1577 to assuage some of the growing controversies that came to nag that earthly Lutheran church, even the authors of that one understood 500 years ago the constant need to be in the spirit of prayer. The authors understood that as if part of our daily walk, part of our life and action of faith-filled prayer. They wrote, we should ask that through the same Spirit and His grace, by means of the daily exercise of reading and doing God's work, He would preserve us in faith and His heavenly gifts and strengthen us from day to day to keep us to the end. Those words, daily exercise, preserve us in the faith, strengthen us from day to day, Those words capture the essence of Paul's prayer to the church at Ephesus in our epistle lesson that that David spoke of earlier. Listen to his opening words from Paul's letter to the church. Chapter 3. I bow my knees before you from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. With the opening words of this prayer, you may not see this outwardly, but Paul is opening up to you. He's letting you take a look into the heart of a Christian himself that you might for yourself understand and more clearly embrace what is the life of prayerful faith in Christ Jesus. Paul was introduced to a life of prayerful faith when the risen Jesus kind of came to him on the way to Damascus, right? And having received the gospel from Christ Jesus himself, a gospel that included that he go and preach to the Gentiles, Paul decides now in this text and in this letter, to share that wonderful news, albeit from a prison in Rome. He writes, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. And he goes on to say, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Remember, he's writing to the Gentiles. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise that is in Christ Jesus through the gospel. How very humbled Paul writes about this precious gift he's been given by Jesus himself. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gifts of God's grace, he says, which is given me by the work of his power to me, Though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light to everyone what is the plan, the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. And what is that plan? 
Paul says, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. What purpose is that? That purpose is God's saving plan. A plan that the very existence of a church in which the Jew and Gentiles alike are united in God's grace and by his gifts. It stands as a testimony of Christ's victory over the devil and all of his schemes. So how does that apply to you if you're searching for a life of prayer or you're not currently in a prayer life as you would like to be? Paul says because of Christ's salvific work, we have boldness, access with confidence through our faith in him. We have access to God in Christ Jesus. Now, we can now pray personally to the Father in heaven. It is for this reason, Paul writes, that he prays to God for God's people and he opens his heart that others may see and know the immeasurable boundaries of God's wisdom and the love of Christ for all people. But Paul does more than that in this text. Do you hear? Do you see? Take note of how Paul frames this prayer. What's the first thing he does? Before He says right here, I bow. I bow my knees. He's down on his knees in prayer. An act of submission. An act of worship. In contrast to regular Jewish and ordinary Christian, early Christian routines, which was to stand for prayer. Second, Paul directs this prayer not just to the Father in heaven, but to all persons of the Holy Trinity. Before the Father whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Do you know what that means? Before the Father who, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That means that every member of the humankind. Every family and every member of every family ought to call on God as their Father. That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. There He is. So that Jesus may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul prays here that all brothers and sisters may be strengthened and live in the love of Christ Jesus. So what end does Paul seek for the Christians that he's speaking to there and by admission, us today, for we too are Gentiles? Paul says that you, you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. How in the world is that possible? It's not possible in the world. It is impossible for humankind to fully comprehend God. It is a struggle the likes of which the prophets and the apostles could not even overcome. So more importantly, what Paul is trying to tell us is for all who seek to know God, it's more important to be known by God 
He tells that to the Gentiles in Galatia in his letter. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved by those who by nature were not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather, he adds, be known by God, how can you turn back? When it comes to knowing God, though, that is an initiative that doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. Knowing God is a purely passive experience for us. What's important to all Christians is to be known by God so that you may be filled, Paul writes, filled with the fullness of God. Luther put it this way in the large catechism. The whole world with all diligence has struggled to figure out what God is, what he has in mind, and what he does. Yet the world has never been able to grasp the knowledge and understanding of any of these things. And yet here, we have everything in richest measure. Said another way, we are known by God. That is our richest measure. And to be known by God is to know the love of Christ that surpasses even my human understanding. But that fills me and should fill all of us with the fullness of Christ. So what do we learn from Paul's prayer today to the church at Ephesus for your own prayer life? Well, let's look at this. Paul prays fearfully, lovingly, Trusting in God above all things. He bows before God. He comes before God with love. And for not only for God, but for his fellow saints. He prays on behalf of others, not for himself. He prays with confidence. He prays as one who knows that his prayers are heard for the sake of Jesus. He's humble. He's reverent in his prayer. But that reverence does not come at the expense of confidence. On the contrary, Paul's confidence doesn't come from himself. Neither does your confidence to pray. It comes from the Holy Spirit given to you by whom? Christ Jesus. Paul prays for strength, not only in the inner beings of the Gentiles then, but in our own inner beings. That we might find peace and fullness in Christ. Strength from the Holy Spirit. He prays for the presence of Christ in our hearts through faith. He prays that we would experience the richness of the love of Christ in the communion of the saints and that we might build on that foundation. He prays that we would be filled to the brim with the fullness of the Lord. I don't know about you, but that's a bold way to pray, isn't it? Luther wrote of a similar boldness that we should embrace each time we say the Lord's Prayer. Luther wrote, God tenderly invites us to believe that He is our true Father, we are His true children, so that we may pray to Him as boldly and as confidently as dear children ask their dear Father. It's like praying to your own dad because He is your dad. Abba. Father, how can Paul pray so boldly? How can you pray boldly? Because Paul knew, and every one of us ought to know that 
the God we pray to has promised the blessings for what we are praying. Has he not? He blesses us all the time before we even pray for those blessings. He blesses us richly, super abundantly. So trusting in this promise, Paul comes before the Father and he prays in the name of Jesus. He prays boldly and confidently and faithfully in love with faith and hope in the triune God. And he doesn't do it just to the letter in the church at Ephesus. He does it to the Thessalonians. He does it to the Galatians. He does it to the people in Rome. He prays in all of his letters, and he encourages all of us to pray in those letters. Paul shows that your Christian life is nothing more than a life of prayer. Nothing less than a life of prayer. It's a life of coming before the Lord and in spirit-given confidence, pray boldly for your brothers and your sisters in the faith. Make your requests known in the name of the Lord. Pray without ceasing, Paul told the church at Thessalonica. He speaks those same words to you today. How are you doing in that regard? I wonder if Paul's asking that question. Do you like what he told the Philippians? Do you cast aside your anxiety and your worries and in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving? Let your request be made known to God. Is that how you're doing? When you would pray, do you bow humbly before the Lord and in spirit given confidence pray boldly for your brothers and your sisters in faith? Be honest. Can't fool God. Truth is, sometimes our prayer lives get reordered, reprioritized, right? As our worldly life gets in the way. Some people even confess that the only prayer they pray, or pray is the Lord's Prayer, and even then they don't do it every day. Paul knew what that meant too. Paul was very open about his problems. He confesses in Romans, I do not understand my own actions, for I don't do what I want. I do the very thing I hate. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want to do this I keep on doing. We might shorten that up a little bit by saying we too all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do we not need prayer then? If you're not a sinner, you don't need prayer. Luther accurately describes our condition. We pray after all, Luther writes, because we are unworthy to pray. The very fact that we are unworthy and that we dare to pray confidently, trusting only in the faithfulness of God, makes us worthy to pray and to have our prayers answered. Your worthiness does not help you and your unworthiness does not hinder you. Mistrust condemns you but confidence makes you worthy and upholds you. God's command, God's promise, God's instruction combined with a realization of our sinfulness and our need should motivate us to a life of faith-filled prayer. Today, God is calling you to repent 
by placing that prayer of Paul's right into your ears and onto our hearts. Because none of us prays like this all the time, do we? None of us prays all the time. In humble confidence, we confess then our sinful lack of prayer to God. We come bowing our hearts before the Lord to pray for forgiveness for our sinful lack of prayer, period. By his grace, we pray that he will strengthen our faith and place us once again on the proper path to a faith-filled life of prayer with God. You see, this is why Paul prays the way he does for the Christians in Ephesus. And by extension to you today, hearing his prayer. Because he wants you and me to pray as Jesus prayed. He wants, by the Spirit at work in him, he wants us to see Christ at prayer on the cross. And there behold our forgiveness in his death. For only there on the cross do we, the gifts for which Paul prays, come to fruition. At the cross we are filled with the fullness of God. For there we see the fullness of God's grace in the sacrificial death on the cross of his only son, Jesus. So I encourage every one of you today to make time for prayer. Even if it means you go into some desolate place, you ain't going to find any mountains here. Maybe a couple of hills out in the hill country. Maybe the desolate place is in your laundry room or in your bedroom or in the bathroom. Better than reading a book or watching your cell phone. We don't read papers anymore. It's always... They have Fox News or something in the bathroom. Paul wants us to see this. He, we pray in the power of the Spirit to the Father through the Son. You should immerse yourself in prayer for the gifts that God so abundantly gives you. You should join the saints in heaven and on earth in worship of our Lord and partake of the prayer life of our Lord Jesus Christ at the foot of the cross. You should join with all the communion and the saints in the prayer life of the church. You should pray without ceasing, confident, knowing that the Lord is always listening. You should dare to pray confidently and with boldness. There is a short, short, short hymn on page hymn number 780 you don't even need to look it up very short but if you have trouble praying and you like to play music or to sing a little music i'd encourage you to do the first verse of only two verses in this song i i would challenge you to do that in your own you can memorize this little ditty in an hour and every time when you're ready to pray pray this boldly and confidently all right O Lord, hear my prayer, O Lord, hear my prayer, when I call, answer me. O Lord, hear my prayer, O Lord, hear my prayer, come and listen 
to me. Be bold. Be confident. Now may the love of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God that passes our human understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and in faith-filled prayer. Amen.